Hi, I'm Garrick Wildspeaker's non-binary sock puppet, Ralph. And I'm your Zendikar, is it wizard who loves large men, Kaza, royal chub chaser. <laughs> oh, gee, oh, <laughs> that's, that's a good one. You, you come up with that one on the spot. That's good. That was not come up with on the spot. That was hours of research. Um, a lot of R&D for that one. Right, right. Yeah, we have we have dedicated departments to make our opening jokes. Of course. Obviously, Jazz is one deserves a raise, and mine should yes. be fired. Um, I do. I we put in a lot of work. My team is, uh, you know, hard at work looking up the best juicy memes. <laughs> well, welcome to the Partner Commanders podcast. I am your host, Ralph. Hi. I mean, we already introduced ourselves, but welcome back yes. for episode three three we third third time's a charm yeah if the first two failed this will get you for sure yeah absolutely and today's topic is all about the flavor mm. flavor flavor what do you what do you what do you love about flavor um i just love the i love magic cards potential to tell a story sometimes it's not all about you know what the rules texts are, what they do in interaction, what like what effects they have. Sometimes it all is designed so that it tells a specific tale, and that's what really kind of drew me in as a player starting out. And sometimes just the art of the cards, you know, touches a yeah. little place in my soul. For sure, like I think that's great that as a game there is a there's a sense of story to it um as sometimes threadbare story as it is questionable is. <laughs> yeah as sometimes uh, well most of the time the the story is a little uh um the lore is a little weak or you hard know what? to they're find trying they're trying or i mean yeah, we, i'd like to think that they're trying we have we, we have web we, stories back um so that's a plus i still haven't oh, read yeah. them <laughs> but yeah i just um, really enjoy the story of magic i, I like the idea the the basic premise of it yeah. And so and I love that it becomes apparent more within the cards early on with like the the first few sets and stuff you, you, it was kind of vague but then you re it really got found its groove and then it kind of faltered down again and then it kind of picked up back, back up again and I I'm hopeful that we're back into a slight renaissance of digging back into the story. Yeah, for sure. I'm definitely seeing that a lot more with um the recent sets and cards and the re return of the web st web stories. I'm really relieved that they've moved on beyond uh, purchased novels. Um, the stories should be free. Um, and they, it seems like they're actually really paying attention to uh, what the fans want in terms of lore. Um, it's still early days in this change, so we'll see how it goes. But yeah, um, today Jazz and I are going to talk about 10 cards that... Um, we personally love either for their lore, their aesthetic, or just their overall flavor in general. It's very nebulous, and this is just kind of more to talk about the things about magic we love that aren't just, you know, um, the card mechanics specifically. Yeah, some of the choices that I have are based purely off of, like, the art. Oh, same. It looks just amazing. Yeah. Um, there are some artists within the magic team that are that just deserve praise i mean all of them do all of them are great not but all just of them that, that's true that's <laughs> true but let's not let's not get into that tonight no. let's uh 
just talk about what we love. Yeah, no turfs on Gruel Turf. Okay, so this is... I don't know if this is, like, my number one, but it is going to be in the first one that I'm going to talk about, just because when we were given... When we gave ourselves the assignment of a flavorful card, this is, like, the first one to pop in my mind, because it's just, like... I, I love this card when it came out. And the card that I, that I picked is Totally Lost. Hey, oh, I, this was one of my close picks as well. I love this card so freaking much and uh, specifically it has to be the gatecrash one i love that they reprinted it in war of the spark but for real it's the gatecrash one that with the art of fibblethip just like like i i don't even like that's that's the sound that i'm making or that i imagine fibblethip is making in this crowd where he's just like like uncomfortable very un like just totally lost um, if you're unaware, Totally Lost is a blue instant that costs four and blue, and it reads, put target non-land permanent on top of its owner's library. The art of it features this homunculus, this one-eyed creature, among a crowded street, and he just looks very uncomfortable. He looks very, well, obviously lost, because the card is totally lost. Um, and then the flavor text of the card is, Fibblethip had always hated crowds. It's just so funny. It's great. And then I guess they kind of made it even better, slightly made it better, in the War of the Spark reprint because the art features him, features Fibblethip, the little homunculus, on top of a monument. Like, how he got there, we don't know. But it kind of just rings true with this idea of being totally lost. You know, I think Fibblethip's journey from meme to, like, a legendary creature on a printed card is, like, absolutely, like a a 100 star rating from me it's it's perfect yeah when yeah. i when this card first came out i i remember specifically cracking it open during um the pre-release and thought it was hilarious it kind of helped me win that pre-release because it you know it's oh, a yeah, good no. totally lost is a good form a, of removal yeah totally lost is like a staple in limited um in the, the sets that it's in right yeah so i just and the art is so great. Um, it was it was crafted by David Palumbo. Um, he's the artist for the original Gatecrash art, and yeah, that's my favorite. What's what's your what's your first favorite? So the first one that I'm going to talk about is from the set Eldritch Moon, and it is um, it's a double sided card. Um, so the first side is Tangle Claw Werewolf. Um, it is a a four four mana two four werewolf horror, and Tangleclaw werewolf can block an additional creature um, each combat. And you pay seven mana and you transform him. The, there's flavor text on him, which uh, quotes a recently printed commander from Commander Legends, who is Halana Kessig uh, Trapper, uh, which reads, "What has long flesh rending claws and enormous bone crushing teeth?" And the flavor text continues when the card flips over and it flips into a Fibrous Entangler, which is an Eldrazi werewolf with vigilance. Fibrous Entangler must be blocked if able and can block an additional creature each combat and has four power, six toughness and finishes the Halanus quote, because to be honest, I couldn't tell you. And the art for this is the primary reason that is my favorite. Fibrous Entangler looks like it is straight out of John Carpenter's The Thing, and it is one. Yes. It is one hundred percent my jam. 
Um, the Eldrazi Werewolves were some of my favorite things to come out of that um, block for magic. And it just combines the two my two favorite things, gothic horror and cosmic horror. So, um, yeah, this is not the... I really... In- I really enjoy that that um, flavor text. That's hilarious. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's really cool that it ties into some characters from uh, recent sets, and the werewolf leaping onto a stranger in the middle of a township, like tentacles bursting out of its head and its arms splitting off into extra limbs. Is that a mood for you? Because it's a mood for me. It's a mood for me for sure. Um, that's that's who that's my ideal man if only right if only if only but yeah (laughs) this is not the uh only transform card on my list and also not the only card from eldritch moon (laughs) but we'll get to those later jazz so for my next card i i probably should have just done like a back-to-back because my second favorite card is fibblethip the lost (laughs) uh, who came out who came out in war of the spark um he is a one and a blue legendary creature homunculus he uh he reads when fibblethip the lost enters the battlefield draw a card if it entered from your library or was cast from your library draw two cards instead when fibblethip becomes the target of a spell shuffle fibblethip into its owner's library and he's he's so cute okay so he's on my list just because well first because of totally lost and it just makes mm-hmm. sense to follow up with his actual card which like ralph said you know started as this kind of funny meme and then kind of became his own thing. Um, the art is done by one of my favorite artists is Jesper Ising. Daddy. And Daddy Jesper Ising, if you're listening, hello. Hi, we um, love you. And the art for it is is great because it's this it's this homunculus again, completely lost among a horde of zombies, and he's just completely like like his namesake card is he's just lost. And he, he, he's just showing up where he's not supposed to be showing up. And mm-hmm. it's great. It would be even better if Fibblethip then became a planeswalker. Oh my god. Because then he would just be planeswalking everywhere and be completely lost for the rest of his life. Yeah. Like, like, sounds like, yeah, sounds hilarious. like it sucks for them, but it'd be very entertaining for us. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Wait, can homunculus be planeswalkers? Can they get a spark? Well, I mean, we used to think that, uh, constructed creatures like that are not natural cannot get a spark but sure fucking calyx in theros beyond death got a spark ignited and he was a created nixborn by clothis so that's true all rules are off the table i think the rules just feel like if you want it badly enough then it just happens yeah if wizards want something badly enough to happen they'll just bend the rules of the world that they already previously established well, then, let this be our petition to get Fibblethip to become a Planeswalker. Yeah, if they a, did that, then I'll forgive them for most of the other things they've done. A mono-blue Planeswalker where his ult is, he just... it. I, I don't even know what his ult would be, but he... I feel like would he, he would, like, hilarious. shift control between player and player. Oh, that'd be hilarious. Yeah. See? That'd be flavorful. Mm-hmm. Just, like, blinking to other people's boards, not knowing what exactly he's doing there. Yeah. We'll return to this uh, Fibblethip Planeswalker theory in a a later point, maybe, if we we want to design some cards. All right. What's your next card? So, my next favorite card is... It's an oldie, uh, and that is Werebear. So, Werebear is a... Werebear? 
Yep, Werebear is a two-mana druid bear, and it has one power, one toughness. Its abilities read, uh, tap, add one green to your mana pool, and it has threshold, and Werebear gets plus three, plus three, as long as you have seven or more cards in your graveyard. And But the, the peak of this card is its flavor text, which reads, he exercises his right to bear arms. I hate this so much. <laughs> Why would you do this to me? But it's just so good. It's so good. Uh, I, 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 I've no words. A werebear? A werebear. Why are his arms so skinny? I don't know, but like, well, I think because it's immediate, it's in the process of transforming into a bear. From a werewolf? No, from a, a regular person. It's a werebear transforms into a bear. Okay. You know, just looking at this, this is actually a really good mana producer. Yeah, no, I actually think this card um has it ha, it's in some decks in sixty card formats that I, I can think of. None that come to mind, but it does seem like it would be pretty good. I may, I might put it in like a cube or something. But yeah, that's my werebear. So then my next card is if you haven't realized this about me yet in these previous two episodes, um, you you will just come to know that I kind of go for the lowest hanging fruit of jokes and of memory. And I, f- of, I feel like I've I'm, already established with Werebear that we have no sense of dignity. Yeah, so with that being said, my card is Armada Worm from, uh, <laughs> from Return to Ravnica. Um, if you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. If you know, you know. But <laughs> uh, I don't know. Oh my god! I okay. Just let me let me let me link you to this photo. Oh man. Where do I even begin with this card? I have um, a oh <laughs> oh. <clears throat> um, that that so... children is what we call phallic. So our model worm is a is two generic, two green, and two white. Altogether a six converted mana cost for a five five worm with trample. And when Armada Worm enters the battlefield, put a five five green worm creature token with trample onto the battlefield. It came out in Return to Ravnica, and its flavor text is no one in the conclave acts alone. So that's cool. That's great and all. You get two worms for six, two five five tramplers for six mana. Um, the reason I chose this is because the art done by a Vulcan Baga. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that properly, but um, the man drew a penis, or the woman, or the person. The person drew a penis. It's a penis. Yeah, it looks like a very fancy bad dragon dildo. It. And it is bursting from the ground, shooting people out of the way in, in its wake. And um, it, it's it's a penis. Anyways, uh, yeah, as you can see, I have zero taste. But for one, it's Armada Worm. Hit mm-hmm. me up if you know what I mean. <laughs> Man, what is stopping you from looking like this? Uh, what, what do you got going next? Okay, so... My next card that I want to talk about is Bag of Holding. So, Bag of Holding is a one-mana artifact, and whenever you discard a card, exile that card from your graveyard. You can pay two and tap it, draw a card, then discard a card, so you just get to loot with that. But if you pay four and tap it and sacrifice Bag of Holding, 
you return all cards exiled with bag of holding to their owner's hand. And the art depicts um, a very, very overstuffed uh, side satchel. Um, you can see a dinosaur's head in there, a, a bow, a, a crossbow, a pickaxe. Um, it is chock full of many different things. And anybody who plays Dungeons and Dragons knows that a bag of holding is an absolute staple for any adventuring party. So when this yeah, card this was, is, yeah, this is major nerd reference. Yes, is, exactly. And I love that. Yeah. So what? Um, both Jazz and I are huge Dungeons and Dragons nerds. So um, bag of holding is personally one of my favorite items in Dungeons and Dragons. And also I really love the way this card has been designed. I think the mechanics reflect the way that a bag of holding works. I mean, I personally prefer a handy haversack, but you know, to each your own. Listen, when you're broke and level two, a bag of holding will do just fine. Or even a portable hole. My party has a portable hole at the minute. It is so much fun. Like I'm like my, uh, anyways, my, my continue with your bag of holding. <laughs> okay, so uh, I mean, or you can talk about your hole. And it's... <laughs> it's up to you. Listen, any hole is portable <laughs> if you're brave enough. <laughs> I mean, I've got legs. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, a uh, bag of holding is actually in my Subira Tolzidi Caravaner deck because this kind of deck really that this kind of card really does well with discard strategies not only is it really fun and flavorful it's actually pretty competent when it comes to the right deck strategies and the flavor text reads there's no prepared like over prepared what's your next card Me. so this is we went from like or from my list we went from memes into like perversion and now we are in literally what arguably one of the most beautiful pieces of work that i've seen on a on a card it is one of my favorites i would like totally get this tattooed on my body if i found a good enough artist that could do it justice it is gift of orjova orzova oh um, yes it it's so freaking good so this card came out back in gate crash the artist is johannes Voss, who is probably by like hands down one of my favorite artists in in magic yeah he's his, really a, a left lot, a mark on the art of the game a lot of like his art is just so freaking good and some of my favorite cards too um gift of Rosova is one colorless and two black white hybrid mana for an enchantment aura and it reads enchant creature enchanted creature gets plus one plus one and has flying and lifelink the flavor text reads remember by whose gift you ascend milana or zog prelate and the art is this person, it's a top-down view of this person looking down upon the city of Ravnica, the plain of Ravnica, and they have wings on their back that are like stained glass in purples and blues and silvers in, in, and in yellow. And it's they're like glowing wings. It's absolutely gorgeous, absolutely beautiful. It's Yeah, it's breathtaking. Incredible. I, I love this art so, so freaking much. Yeah, I wish I had it on a playmat, to be honest. Same. Yeah. Like, big same. Yeah. Oh, it's so pretty to look at. Mm-hmm. It makes me happy. Yeah, sometimes it's not just memes. Sometimes they're just cards that genuinely make you happy. This is a pretty freaking card. Mm -hmm. The art is gorgeous. Absolutely. So, my next card uh, is another oldie, and this is actually pretty infamous for its very comedic nature and it is reparations 
It is an enchantment for a 1, a white, and a blue. And whenever target opponent successfully casts a spell that targets you or a creature you control, you may draw a card. So that on itself is a pretty run-of-the-mill type of enchantment. Uh, it's card draw in white and blue. It's no big deal. But the flavor text reads, Sorry I burned down your village. Here's some gold. And it's the art depicts a couple whose house behind them is burning um, is on fire. And a rather solemn-looking man uh, with his ha- with one hand is pointing towards a large crate of coins. There, the the couple's faces just look the most disgusted I've ever seen. Like it is like I am disgusted. JPEG, and it is the fucking funniest card because their expressions, the guy's expression, and sorry I burned down your village. Here's some gold. Uh, line just absolutely kills me. <laughs> It's just... Can we talk about how in this card the the couple that is depicted here are kind of being coded as POC, and um, the person offering gold is uh, white. Looks pretty white to me. Yep, and it's called reparations. So you know that's hilarious. Yeah. So, babe, tell me about your next card. So mine is actually also an Azorius card, um, and it all is also a converted mana cost of three. It's Soul Herder. Ooh, yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Soul Herder is a one generic white blue for a 1-1 one, one spirit. Um, whenever a creature is exiled from the battlefield, put a plus one, plus one counter on Soul Herder. At the beginning of your end step, you may exile another target creature you control, then return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control. Um, this card was released in Modern Horizons, and um, the flavor text reads, it watches over every absence. Now, the reason I chose this card is because it was done by another one of my favorite artists in Magic, and that's Seb McKinnon. Seb! Um, it's such a freaking gorgeous card. It's both haunting and beautiful and creepy and amazing. Yeah, that's like his um, whole brand for his art. Yeah, it's so freaking good mm-hmm. um and i know we were not like ta- we're not choosing cards based off of their power or their like playability but this card is really freaking good too like yeah. its abilities super like super super good in in blink decks um but the art itself if i can just gush is it depicts this lanky bony long-limbed spirit who is just gigantic because if you in the scale of it you see tiny little humans running away from it it is crossing a horizon and kind of pulling apart the fabric of reality so that it's shifting the clouds of um dawn into a dark night in a dark scar- starry night it there's like this sense of hope in it but then also a sense of despair which is like super on brand for Seb McKinnon it's oddly very conflicting in its moods and it's just beautiful i love this art so much i could gush on and on about this um it's great oh god yeah no and recently um wizards announced a secret layer uh seb mckinnon series which has like gotten everybody excited because the all the new arts for uh, classic uh, commander cards are absolutely stunning. I think a lot of people are really excited about the one for Damnation, which is also absolutely like freaky and abs- like it, it's giving me big Hieronymus Bosch vibes. Um, 
Like, I love it. Yes. Yes, that's stunning. Yes, that's happening. Yes. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So. Okay. What, what do you got going up next? In the similar vein of cards that are both haunting and beautiful, I want to talk about, it is not technically one card, but it is two. Uh, and this is Brazella, Voice of Nightmares. Oh my, oh my god, this was going to be on my list. I was like so close oh my to god. putting this on my list. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Okay, so Brazella, Voice of Nightmares, um, is a melded creature, um, which is made from... Uh, Gisela, the Broken Blade, and Bruna, the Fading Light. Um, so those are two um, el- angel horror creatures from uh, Eldritch Moon. And if they're both on the battlefield at the same time, they fuse together and become Brazella. So Brazella is a legendary creature, Eldrazi Angel. She has flying, first strike, vigilance, and lifelink. And your opponents can't cast spells with converted mana cost three or less. And she has nine power and ten toughness. So this is an absolute beast of a card very difficult beast. to very difficult to get out as you need to get two legendary angel creatures onto the battlefield but the art is like one of the most ter- terrifying pieces of work that i've ever seen um the art was made by clint Kearley, uh, and it shows a an angel however this angel has two heads one for each sister and there are sets of wings wrapped and coated in sinew and flesh and there are separate arms that rejoin together and then branch out to make more arms. There's tentacles bursting out of their chest and there's tinier arms that looks like it looks like one of them is hugging the other from behind and like but like trying to like tear at the other's chest cavity. And it's like absolutely terrifying. But honestly, one of the, the most like haunting parts about this card is the flavor text, which is upon discovering what I had become. The... Go ahead. Sorry, I just love the flavor text of this. This is why the reason I would have chosen it was for the flavor text. Yeah. Upon discovering what had become of her sisters, Sigarda could only weep. And that is like absolute. that tells a huge story just in it's like wrenching. Yeah. Just in like a, just in those few words, like it lets you know that these two characters are sisters, that they have become corrupted and completely transformed into something and that their sister has witnessed this Sigarda and it has completely broken her, which I think is a big part of the flavor of Eldritch Moon, which is um, Emrakul's influence um, tainting everything that it touches. Um, this car, I think about this card on the daily, <laughs> and I actually really want to make a mono white Bruna the Fading Light commander deck. Jazz, what's your next card? Just to change the tone a bit from the dark and sullen of two sisters melding into an eldritch horror i present to you and for the review of our audience fodder cannon oh my god i came across this one as well i thought it was really it's funny so freaking good i had this card in my nin steel and sack deck when like in its first iterations until i realized that it's not like super optimal to play but it was super fun and flavorful fodder cannon is a artifact for four mana it originally came out in Urza's Destiny. Its ability is you can pay four, tap it, sacrifice a creature. Fodder Cannon deals four damage to target creature. Eh, pretty basic. Not that great. Not amazing. But its its glory and its claim to fame comes from its flavor text, which reads, Step one, find your cousin. Step two, get your cousin in the cannon. Step three, find another cousin. <laughs> it's... <laughs> 
And then if you look at the art, it's just people loading in goblins into this cannon. We're assuming that they're being launched out of said cannons into other creatures. It's hilarious. The art was done by Christopher Muller. And I have to just tip my hat to whoever came up with such brilliant writing. It's succinct. It is gets to the point. We love it. And, you know, I appreciate crass humor like this. <laughs> yeah, as somebody with a, a, a very large amount of cousins, um, this is very, very funny. <laughs> All right, what's next? What do you got? Okay, so my next card is also on the comedic side of things, and that is Eliminate the Competition. Eliminate the Competition is a 5-mana sorcery from Kaladesh, and as an additional cost to eliminate the competition, sacrifice X creatures, and you can destroy X target creatures. But the best uh, thing about this card is the art, and it depicts a, a pair of hands. Um, one hand is grasping somebody's wrist, and the other hand is stabbing down through their own hand into the person's hand. So it's like... Oh, they went in for like a handshake, but it was like, oh, psych, I'm stabbing you. And it just looks, it's the most ridiculous, like, whose plan was this? Like, did you think you had thought of something brilliant when you decided to stab your competitor through your own hand? Because, sweetie, I don't think that's the big brain move that you think it is. The flavor text reads, open hostilities are strictly forbidden at the inventor's fair, but accidents still happen. I don't understand how this could have been an accident, um, that knife looks like it's being plunged through two sets of limbs uh, very deliberately. And um, I... Yeah, that's I, why accidents in this sense is in quotations. Yeah, I know. But, like, come on, man. This Like, there's no subtlety here. All right, Dave, what's your next card? So, moving on to... Uh, I like how this is just transitioning very well. Like, this is not planned. This is not scripted. Wait, but it's I not scripted? also chose... It's not scripted. This is all real, honey. All real all the time. I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to be real. So, moving on from one um, black card into it, my black card would be Blood Artist. Um, which is... A, I mean, everyone knows Blood Artist. If you're, well, not, I guess not everyone, but most people know Blood Artist because it is a staple in Aristocrats decks. Um, but if you don't know, Blood Artist is one and a black for a zero one vampire. Um, his card reads Whenever Blood Artist or another creature dies, target player loses one life and you gain one life. And the flavor text of it reads Great art can never be created without great suffering. Funnily enough, this is another Johannes Voss art, mm. and it depicts a uh, vampire painting what looks like a dying woman using blood. I, I mean, it, he's a blood artist. Uh, I chose this card. I, I as much as I do love the art, obviously it's a Johannes Voss. I chose the art, the card based off of the flavor text. The great art can never be created without great suffering, and as a suffering artist, uh, this rings true very closely to my heart. Um, <laughs> uh, I think a lot of artists can kind of... All art is suffering. That's why it's called painting. <laughs> um, I think a lot of artists can, can relate to the feeling. I mean... Yeah, completely. Okay, not all. Um, obviously not all. But I feel like a good amount. If you haven't suffered, you're um, not an artist, sweetie. Right. Not us gatekeeping being an artist. And suffering. <laughs> 
I feel like we're allowed right. to gatekeep suffering. Yeah, I don't think everyone should suffer. That'd be that'd be great if people didn't suffer. But if you are suffering, make some art out of it, right? Mm-hmm. Monetize it. <laughs> Monetize it, Hanny. Get that coin. Great art can never be created without great suffering. Yes, go on. Um, art. <laughs> okay, so what's your next up on your list? So my next card, it had to, it had to be done. It's ad nauseum. Wait, so what? It's ad nauseum. Why? Because the fucking art, dude. You, you know, go, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. So ad nauseum is an instant for a three and two black. And you reveal the top card of your library and put that card into your hand. You lose life equal to its converted mana cost. You may repeat this process ad nauseum any number of times. And the flavor text reads, when the task spilled over into undeath, he stopped calling it his life's work. And it depicts a person uh, crouched over a very, very large pile of pages, papers, inscriptions. Their eyes are hollowed and there is an implant on the clamp on top of their head. Yeah, this it's it's a very disgusting piece of artwork. I guess the implication is their their hands have been completely worn away by the amount of work that they've had to do. And now all that's left are uh, shriveled stumps where there's just little paintbrushes strapped to his elbows. And you can see like his ribs and his uh, shoulder muscles through uh, holes in his skin on his back because he's been bent over for so long. And oh, like there's a very specific uh, story called The People of the Pit by uh, Abraham Merritt, which immediately makes me think of this piece of art and it's just like the horror of the obsession of a repetitive task completely do it over and over and over again is a very haunting and enrapturing piece of art yeah this basically is like it's also gross working a minimum wage job yeah <laughs> pretty much <laughs> but yeah that's ad nauseum uh it's it's infamous uh, as one of the kind of more uh disturbing pieces of card art but that's kind of the kind of thing that I am drawn towards as a uh, freaky horror uh, individual as myself. Uh, as we have all seen now with Brisella. Yeah, and it's not the last of it. Anyways, here's Ad Nauseum. <laughs> Plays guitar. Well, moving on, I will ch- I will introduce my next flavorful card. It's actually a set of cards, not oh. just one card. Oh, you cheated. Um, did I? I don't think it does. I don't think it counts. I will be the judge technically, of that. Technically, it's only one card. I chose the Kamigawa Panoramic Lands. Oh, oh, oh! I can't remember what those so, look like. So, well, they're basically they're they're basically lands. My, one of my favorites are the islands. But what makes them so appealing is that if you place them side by side to one another, it creates a panoramic image. They all connect, and it's not just like the islands, but like the mountains, the swamps, the plains. They all do it. And I think it's, I don't know why this hasn't been done multiple times with, like, multiple sets. I don't know why it was only just on Kamigawa. I could be wrong here. Like, it could have happened again in other sets. But for sure, it happened in Kamigawa. And it's really beautiful the way that they all just kind of line up with one another to create this one image. I do like putting it into some of my commander decks and then just kind of, like, bragging about it. Or not really bragging about it, but just kind of pointing it out. Like, look, my lands create one whole image. And they're probably, like, one of my favorite lands in Magic outside of the full art lands that we get from, like, Zendikar or Amonkhet or even, like, the Unsets. Oh, yeah, these are so cool. Honestly, they need to bring these back, but with borderless lands. Like, full, right? full art lands. Wouldn't that be fucking incredible? 
I would yeah. love that. That's what they should do for Secret Layers. Make it like 15 bucks, and you can get full art basics that are panoramas. Mm, God. You're just like saying all the right things to me, babe. So what do you have next on your flavor flaves? So my next flavorful card is Hans Ericsson. Oh, 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you first you go oh, and then you go oh. So Hans Ericsson is a human well, scout. Well, you only go oh if you like know the lore. But well, yeah, yeah but, go for it. Yeah. So Hans Ericsson is a legendary creature, human scout. He costs two, a red and a green, and he's got one power and four toughness. When Hans Ericsson attacks, reveal the top card of your library. If it's a creature card, put it onto the battlefield, tapped an attacking, defending player or a planeswalker they control. Otherwise, put that card into your hand. When you put a creature card onto the battlefield this way, it fights Hans Ericsson. So just on the surface, it sounds like he brings something big and scary into play, but he also has to uh, fight it. And if you weren't, aren't familiar with who Hans Ericsson is in the lore of Magic the Gathering, that's all you would think of it. However, Hans Ericsson is the brother of another character named Safi, Safi Eric's daughter. And she uh, famously got killed by the Lurgoif, which is a creature um, way back from Tempest or something. The flavor text on Hans Ericsson reads, Nothing could ruin such a fine day, Safi. But in the background of the art, you can see a large shadow approaching the pair of siblings. And Safi looks terrified, but Hans is distracted, sniffing a pretty little flower. And if you read the flavor text on the original Lurgoif card, it reads, Ach, Hans, run! It's the Lurgoif! Ever since then, it's become a bit of a ongoing story. When Safi Eric's daughter was printed, it told a another bit of the story where she is the one who gets killed by this Lurgoif. Yeah. <laughs> I'd also like to point out that um, Hans Eriksson is a actual giant teddy bear of a man. Oh, very, he's a hottie. He very very much resembles uh, Seth uh, Saffron Olive from MTG Goldfish. So that's pretty cool. There's a lot of layers to this, and the more entrenched you are with the lore of Magic the Gathering, uh, the more the story unfolds of Hans Eriksson and his unfortunate sister. Yeah, that's why like my initial reaction was like, aww, because you know you think of the art. When when yeah. I hear Hans Eriksson, I think of the initial art, but then the secondary, aww, is when you realize yeah, it's like, the story. Yeah, and also, if we're ever at a table and you come up to me and you've got Safi, Eric's daughter, and Hans Eriksson as partner commanders, I would absolutely let you play that. Ooh, I should build that. That sounds fun. Yeah, doesn't it? I've already brought this up before, but it's another Johannes Voss piece of art. Yes. Because <laughs> why not? I'm a total fanboy. Um, it's on Sarah's Wings. Ooh, um, yes from dominaria it was first released it is a uncommon legendary enchantment aura for three and a white it reads enchant creature enchanted creature is legendary yes legendary queen gets plus one plus one and has flying vigilance and lifelink and the flavor text reads the spirit of sarah raised brindry high and commanded her to keep the balance song of all conto 524 the art, like Gift of Orzova, is basically a person with multicolored wings that looks like stained glass. But the art is just gorgeous. It's this silhouette of this warrior with two swords and their wings are expanding out. There is a cathedral behind them and it portrayed from a low angle. So it 
has this sense of greatness and wonder and being legendary. Mm-hmm. Um, it just Ooh. looks incredible. Legs and dairy. Legs and dairy. Johannes did this again, Mr. Voss. You are amazing. Okay. So my next card, it's a Snowland. But... Snowland, snow problem. Snowland, snow problem. But it is from Cold Snap. Mouth of Ronom is a Snowland, and you can tap to add one mana to your mana pool. So that would be a generic uh, snow mana. And you can pay four and one snow mana to sacrifice Mouth of Ronom, and it deals four damage to target creature. So that's not the reason that this is one of my favorite lands. The art is, it just captures one of the most, like, core feelings of, like, if you've ever read At the Mountains of Madness, uh, this is exactly what I imagine it to look like. It's this uh, vast uh, snow, snowy landscape. Three tiny diminutive figures can be seen in the distance as they approach a icicle dripping overhang from a very, very large cliff. And you can see broken bits of the icicles uh, jutting out from the ground. Uh, the figures look tiny and insignificant against a incredibly, almost impossibly large structure. I mean, I mean, like I've already talked about John Carpenter's The Thing, but this also echoes that sentiment about that feeling of isolation and cold. But the but the artist is uh, Darren Bader. I personally haven't come across his name a whole lot, but props to you for bringing this scene to life because it's it's just a snowland to some people, but it's it means a lot to me. It's one of my favorite art pieces of art on a card. To talk about my last card on my list, so we did a little funny. We did a little sad, we did a little dark, we did a little um, beautiful pieces of art. The one that I will close off on is one of my favorite cards from M15. It's Hot Soup. <laughs> hot Soup! It's yes. Hot Soup. It's Hot Soup. The, fl- the flavor of this soup is mm, chef's kiss. Amazing. It, is, it, is it potato and leek? Is it tomato soup? Is it... Um... It's any soup. It's Hot Soup. It's any soup you want. It's not gazpacho, but it's a hot soup. It's hot. It's hot. So, hot soup is an artifact equipment for one. Um, It reads equipped creature can't be blocked, and whenever equipped creature is dealt damage, destroy it. It has a equip cost of three. Its flavor text reads coming through. The art of it shows a goblin holding a large cauldron of soup, kind of charging through a battlefield as people are kind of trying to make way for this hot soup. Um, So if you didn't know the background of this card for M15 wizards kind of looked out towards other game designers and kind of released a bunch of other cards that were designed by people that design other games. There was uh, that one assassin that was designed by the makers of like world of Warcraft, but Hot Soup was designed by James Ernest, and he is the owner and lead designer for Cheap Ass Games. And it, it's interesting because they take these people who may or may not be super familiar with the game or the with the realm of magic, but they kind of input their own thoughts and ideas of how game design should work and, and their perspective. And so when this came out, I loved it immediately. It has a really cool ability, you know, giving things unblockable is great. And the only thing stopping it is being dealt damage. So I enjoy this a lot for multiple reasons. 
um, from the production of the card to the art of it to the flavor text of coming through. <laughs> it's it's really good. Yeah, no, I, sh- I should have known that this was going to be the last card in your list. <laughs> you haven't you've been raving about it for weeks. Oh, and um, the art for the card is by David Palumbo. I believe I talked about another one of his cards earlier. I think it was Totally Lost, was it? Mm-hmm. Or was it? F- yeah. That's funny. So, like, both of uh, those card arts are something comedic, and I feel like maybe that might be his kind of niche in the community. Yeah. I don't know too much about you, David, but um, your but great, art is amazing. But great job. <laughs> but great job. You're You're great if you're listening. I don't know if you are. Um, anyways, like you want to close us out, Ralph? I will. And I'm going to close us out with something not remotely funny, but 100% on brand for me. And that is Thing in the Ice. So Thing in the Ice is a two mana horror. Uh, it has zero power and four toughness with Defender. But listen, the Thing in the Ice enters the battlefield with four ice counters on it. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, you remove an ice counter on it. And if it has none... You transform it, and it transforms into Awakened Horror. So Awakened Horror, when it transforms, you return all non-horror creatures to their owner's hands. And it has 7 power and 8 toughness. So this is, like, this this is the thing, right? Like, I think this is, like, the third card I've talked about that I have referenced John Carpenter's The Thing in. But it's my favorite movie, so, like, obviously that would influence my card choices. But yeah, flavor text on Awoken Horror reads, It serves as evidence of the ancient power of the deep. A reminder that the sea is the only thing worthy of reverence. Um, and this set, uh, this came out in uh, Ravnica Elite, no, not bleh, in Shadows over Innistrad. Well, my favorite movie is Bring It On, so I don't know how that relates to any of my choices <laughs> of cards. Um, I mean, obviously your favorite Bring It On card in Magic the Gathering is... Uh, combat celebrant anyways continue on with your eldritch horror and your john carpenter references yeah listen jazz is a fanboy of uh these artists i'm a john carpenter fanboy so the artist who created uh the two pieces to accompany this series is svetlin villanov uh, it's also a Kraken, which is one of my favorite creature types for obvious reasons, if you couldn't figure it out. The side thing in the ice um, shows a large galley ship pulling along this huge chunk of iceberg. And you can see the vague shape of something uh, hunched over inside it. And so obviously this is the frozen creature. And the mechanic mechanically, it, it, it's going to thaw out. And the Awoken Horror side of it, you can see the, the huge Kraken with uh, its shell and claws just... <laughs> bursting out of the ice and completely destroying all of the ships around it and yeah i just love my giant sea monsters i love my cosmic horror and yeah that's my that's my last favorite card so the funny thing like looking over our cards and just like we didn't have the stipulation of it having to be a good card you know just a flavorful card that we enjoy oh yeah not but i'd say a lot like a good amount of the cards that we chose are actually pretty good cards to put in a deck. Yeah, quite a few of these um, with the right build are very much EDH playable. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we just wanted to talk about some of our favorite pet cards that maybe like we wouldn't get a chance to talk about otherwise. 
So this is episode one of a two-part series where we talk about the aesthetics of magic. This one covering, obviously, the aesthetics of the actual cards and the art and the um, story behind them, the lore, and the flavor text. Our next episode is going to be covering the aesthetics of like the actual physicality of your decks, you know, from sleeves to play mats to all the accessories that go with magic. Yeah, but also um, including like talking about maybe foiling, uh, the different kinds of foils, um, and maybe if you're doing a Pringle tribal deck, you could fill your deck with foils, and maybe like the extended arts, the uh, alternate frames, the showcase frames, like all of that, like. I think deserves to be talked about. So we'll definitely be covering that in the next episode, but thank you for listening. Uh, Remember to keep it spicy, keep it flavorful. Yeah. Tune in next time. And for our next episode for this series, until then you can catch us on Twitter at the partner pod and our individual Twitters. I'm at Jazzworth, And I am at Ralph does magic. If you are listening to us on YouTube, please feel free to like and subscribe to our channel. We post episodes every Tuesday um, for the foreseeable future. We're still early in our process, so that is not likely to change, but it is very much possible. But, uh, yeah, tune in next time. We love you. Bye. Bye.